The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. As Jesus and his disciples were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is to be handed over to men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. And they were overwhelmed with grief. When they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the temple tax approached Peter and said, Does your teacher pay the temple tax? Peter said, Yes. When he came into the house, before he had time to speak, Jesus asked him, What is your opinion, Simon? For whom do the kings of the earth take tolls or census tax? From their subjects or from foreigners? When Peter said from foreigners, Jesus said, So the subjects are exempt. But that we may not offend them, go to the sea, drop in a hook, and take the first fish that comes up. Opens it, open its mouth, and you will find a coin worth twice the temple tax. Give that to them for me and for you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. From this somewhat unusual story about the fish with the coin in his mouth, uh, we, we can derive, I think, two simple but important messages about Christianity and day-to-day -day Christian life. And the, the first is that you notice that uh, Jesus proves definitively that he is exempt from the tax, and then he pays it. it the uh, rabbis rabbis and priests were exempt from the temple tax. So for them to ask Jesus to pay the temple tax is to deny his being a rabbi, which everyone called him rabbi. So it was sort of a slap in the face to Jesus, an insult to Jesus to, to say that you should pay the temple tax. It was denying the fact that he was a rabbi. And yet notice that Jesus says, in order not to offend, Let's go ahead and pay it. What this tells us as Christians is that we need to choose our battles, that, that it's true that we have to stand up for our faith, of course, and we need to stay strong for our faith. Sometimes we, we need to do battle for our faith. In other words, uh, to, uh, to, to argue with those who, who deny the faith. Yes, all of that is true, but we also have to choose the right time for this. And there are other times when Perhaps we want to hold back and wait for a better occasion when we might be more successful in promoting Christianity. Uh, time and again, we see Jesus actually avoiding conflict at certain times. Sometimes he literally runs away from conflict. And then, of course, there's the great conflict, the crucifixion. So it seems as though Jesus wants us to discern when exactly is the right moment. Uh, another way to put it is, you don't have to swing at every pitch. Just because someone is, uh, is provoking you doesn't mean you have to swing at it. You have to make a discernment about whether or not this is the right moment. That's the first lesson, I think. The second is, is this. This is a strange miracle. It's a very odd miracle, this miracle of the, the coin out of, out of the fish's mouth. 
uh, certainly Jesus could perform this miracle. He performed much, much greater miracles than this. So it's not a question about whether or not Jesus could perform it, but there are scripture scholars who say this is it's not in keeping with his own, let's say, protocol for, for performing a miracle. When uh, the evil spirit tempted Jesus to make bread when he was hungry, he did not perform a miracle. He did not turn the stones into bread in order to take care of himself. And yet this miracle almost seems like he's doing this to take care of himself. And the temple tax, by the way, was a very small tax. It wouldn't have taken very much uh, to, to pay for it. So what is going on here? Well, of course, you absolutely can believe that a miracle occurred. Uh, one interpretation of this scripture is this, that this was an expression in the Israelite days uh, that Jesus was telling Peter, go back to your profession and earn your keep because Christians earn their keep. Christians earn their keep. Go to your fishing, fish for a day, and get your money. Uh, the expression would be something like this. If you ask a teacher, well, how will you pay the rent? The teacher will say, I'll pay the rent by the blackboard. Or if you ask a carpenter, how will you pay the rent for your house? And the carpenter says, I pay by the hammer and the nail. Uh, Peter pays his uh, tax by the mouth of the fish. Uh, if that is the case, if you will accept that interpretation, then perhaps the lesson for you and me is that is that we Christians were called not to be above it all, to be embedded in the society. And if it's not a sin to follow the rules of society, then we participate in society. There's a wonderful quote from an extra biblical text. It's not in the Bible, but it was honored and revered by, uh, by the early Christians. It might have been written as early as 700 AD, excuse me, 70 AD. Uh, and this is what it says. The difference between Christians and others is not a matter of nationality or language or customs. Christians do not live apart in separate cities of their own, nor do they speak any special dialect, nor practice any eccentric way of life. Nevertheless, the organization of their community does exhibit some features that are remarkable. For instance, though they are residents at home in their own countries, their, their behavior is more like that of transients. They take their full part as citizens, but they also submit to anything and everything as if they were aliens. For them, any foreign country is the motherland, and any motherland is a foreign country. <laughs> what, what this document says, this early Christian document says, is that, yes, we're full-fledged citizens, and we participate in the secular society, and yet we do so as transients. It reminds me of the Quaker expression that this life is a bridge. Walk across it, but do not build a house on it. 